Let's pray together. God, you are good to us. And um, it is our acknowledgement today of how good you are. Um, We have sung some stuff today that just has been all over my heart. In fact, one of the things that we sang is that you're perfect in every one of your ways. And we need to confess that because a lot of times we don't feel that. And so today, God, we, we just acknowledge before you that whatever situation that we're in is father-filtered, which means that you are a good father, and you are a sovereign God. You are the Father in heaven, and you send what is necessary and what is good for your people. There's nothing that you do that is wrong or that is sin. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are way more wise than us. I mean, infinitely more. We are on the earth, and you are God in heaven. So we come and we ask for you to impart to us through your word that you've given through men by by moving them by the Holy Spirit. We pray today that you would speak through this and that you would help us, God, to know you and to walk in your presence and to really learn how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought. And even after we're taught, we know the Holy Spirit has to intercede on our behalf with groanings that we don't understand because, God, we just don't get it. And so help us to get some of it and then fill in the gaps for us with your grace because that's what we need. And you are perfect in your ways. Everything that comes our way, you are perfect in that. And we confess that to you today. So Lord, we come with just hearts open and expectant and we pray as we look at your word, would you just open up our eyes to see your glory in Jesus' name, amen. When I was, uh, when I was a little, we just had rally day. Many of you know what that is, and if you don't, it's the Hartsville Little League gathers for game on game on game on game, okay? And it was, and many of you may have spent your day at the ballpark. I know I did, and I enjoyed it. Um, and it made me think about my Little League days, and you know, what's fun about Little League is the little the parties afterwards. I mean, I love to play the game, but also there was usually ice cream that followed, or a McDonald's run, or like now as an adult, McDonald's run is not as good as when you were a kid. You know that, right? Like, you're like, McDonald's, now you're like, McDonald's, like, oh yeah, heartburn, okay? Yeah. But as a kid, you were, it was the best. And I remember there was a pool party, um, and uh, when I was probably, I don't know, nine or ten, and we were having a great time, and all my Little League buddies were over at my aunt's house, and we were having this, this great party, and then a whole bunch of them decided it would be great to pick up this big pool float and jump all together on top of Matt while he's in the deep end of the pool. And I didn't know this was coming, so I'm swimming around enjoying the of a a great t-ball or a great not t-ball i was 10 so great baseball little league party and so they jump in and they about ko me and i remember just falling in like i could see myself i was almost outer body experience and i was basically drowning and i'm trying to get back up to the top but it wasn't happening and when i got up oh my gosh that air felt so good and then i felt so mad okay but I just, have you ever been to that place where you just can't get your breath? And you just feel like drowning or suffocations right there. Whether it's, whether it's literal, can't catch your breath, or it's figurative, and it just seems like life has overwhelmed you. And sometimes in our spiritual life, when we feel just that we're just out of breath and we can't catch it, the thing that's wrong is our prayer, is our prayer life. And, and we have looked, last week we look, began to look at the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to conclude that here. And I want you to get this, that prayer is akin to breathing for your spiritual life. 
and for my spiritual life. And it's something that is difficult. It's something that's hard to do. And, and you know how I know that? Because Jesus had to teach his disciples how to pray. Now, they had been brought up in the Jewish tradition and the Jewish faith. They would have known a lot of prayers to pray. In fact, they would have prayed a lot of biblical prayers, but they didn't understand how to pray. And Jesus teaches them how to pray. And we looked at the first part of the prayer is God-centered. And our prayers, if they are to be real good breaths, if they are to be the things that sustain us and prayers that are powerful, God has to be at the center of it. And so we see here, we see at the beginning in verse 9, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name be praised, God. So it starts off with God as a good father who cares. It also talks about God in in the heavens, which is not just like some ethereal, looney tune, heart-playing area. This is the seat of power of the universe, the place of the domain of God. And so the God who cares is the God who has the power to do something about it. And also he is the one and the prayer, our prayers and our life should be about making God known, making him to be seen as holy. And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done as earth on earth as it is in heaven. So the first part of the prayer is focused on God. And so here, if, if you, if your prayer life is lacking, if your prayer life is struggling, a lot of times our prayer life is lacking and struggling because we are focused on ourselves and not God. And it's amazing how when you see God and God is at the forefront of your life, that, that you pray and you act and you live differently. And there is a, there is a different power in your life than if, if, if you were focusing on yourself. And it's so easy to focus on ourselves, is it not? I mean, think about it. We are really good at being selfish. I know you might be a selfless person. And you might give a lot. And I know, I, I know there's a bunch of moms in this room, and to be a mom is to be selfless, okay? I get that. But there's also, underpinning all that, a, a tendency to focus on ourselves and even to focus on how our, react, our lives are. Do you ever get in a woe is me situation? I do. And a lot of it has to do with, oh, I'm pouring out so much, but I'm getting so little in return. And oftentimes... That makes our outlook so much more bleak in the first place. But when we look to an eternal God, it changes the game. And our prayers have power because we're not trying to muster up power in ourselves. We know we are going to the source of power, to God. And so the first part of the prayer is focused on God. But, and, and I want to tell you, this book has been immensely helpful. You can't see this, but it's a book on prayer and life in the church by a guy named, and I'm going to get his name wrong, but it's John Onwachik. Kiwa, okay? I'm glad he's not here because I butchered his last name. But this, is, this book has been really influential. I've, I've read it while I was kind of convalescing and getting back. And so a lot of what you're going to get today, I'm going to tell you, I'm borrowing from him because I don't know. You ever read something, you're like, I don't know how to say that much better. And so here's what he says about prayer. Because he says this, prayer begins with a longing for God's presence before his provision. Let me just say, let's read that again. Prayer begins with a longing for God's presence before his provision. But prayer shouldn't end there. We still need things from God. Just because he tells us not to prioritize food and clothing, which he does in the Sermon on the Mount, it doesn't mean we don't need food and clothing. Jesus invites us to ask for three things in particular. And they're seen in this passage. Provision, pardon, and protection. These aren't the only things we can ask God for, but they provide a template for what we should prioritize. 
And so we see in, the, in verse 11, 12, and 13, we see that, that in each one of these situations, Jesus tells us after we focus on God and his presence and his will to be done and his fame to be known, that we are to focus on God's, or we should ask for God's provision, God's pardon, and God's protection. That's what we are to ask for and to prioritize. That means that, as he says, that doesn't mean you can't ask for other things. But there are some things that take priority in life. If you have a problem with prioritizing your life, then your life has a big problem. You know that, right? It's like you got two things wrong at your house, which if you're a homeowner, you know there's way more than two things wrong at your house at any given moment. We were, I was asleep the other night, and I woke, I had headphones in, I was trying to go to sleep, and I was listening to some music, and I heard this big crash, and I couldn't tell if it was like, I was right in that land, you know what I'm talking about, like sleep was there, I was like, you know, the la-la land, and so I heard the crash, and I'm like, what, oh, that was nothing, I would have heard if it, that crash was real, I would have heard a scream afterwards or a chainsaw or, or somebody breaking in the house. It can't be it. The next morning, Amy comes in, and she wakes me up out of, out of a sleep. It's like 5.50, 5.45. She wakes me up. Matt, the mirror on your vanity has fallen. And I said, what? And she has to say it 50 times because I am just totally in a stupor at 5.45, okay? Like, what? What? Your vanity. And so I walked around the house looking for tape to fix this. This mirror's huge. I'm like, I gotta find some tape. I'm walking around looking for this thing and cannot find it to save my life. And what has happened is the mirror has literally the the adhesive has is done and it has fallen off the wall. And it was it refrained from shattering because of a very hastily put up, and I know it's hastily put up because I put it up. Towel rack stops this giant mirror from exploding across our bathroom. And so we move it, and Amy's like, is it more than 20 pounds? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So we move it, and we get it kind of <laughs> after the tape debacle where I walked around the house for 20 minutes looking for tape. We got plenty of tape, and I'm walking around like a zombie. She's like, stop walking around because she's having to hold the window to the wall, and I'm just walking in circles. We're going somewhere with this, okay? I promise. We decide to put the mirror in, like, just between the faucet and the wall just to keep it up there. Now, that's important to fix, and I'll get around to that. But what if we had a gas leak? Which one would take priority? The mirror or the gas? Thank you, gas leak. Thank you. Why? Because you could go boom. If you don't prioritize your life correctly, all sorts of things can be out of whack. And that's what we see here. The Lord's Prayer is short, right? And Jesus said, teach us how to pray. And there's a lot of other teachings on prayer in the scriptures. But he says, here, pray like this. He's given these guys something to prioritize. And so in your prayers and my prayers, we are to prioritize God at the center of those prayers. And we should live for his renown and for his glory because that everything else is fleeting and vain. But also, he gives us three things in which we are to prioritize in our prayers, it doesn't mean we can't pray for other things. But these things, these provision, pardon, and protection are prioritized. And I, I will venture to say this. 
it can be dangerous if we get these out of whack. Just like fixing a mirror versus a gas leak is a bad use of our priorities. And so when we come to pray, we should prioritize these things. In verse 11, here's the first thing. The prayer is for provision. Look in verse 11. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense in our culture. It really doesn't. In Jesus' culture, most people in the world woke up every day with just enough for that day. In fact, they had enough for the morning. Then they would work, and they would get enough pay to pay for dinner that evening. That was it. And so when they said daily bread, it was like, hey, God, if I'm going to eat today, you got to be here in the middle of it. Most of us in this country, and I know you may not consider yourself rich, but compared to the rest of the world, we are exceedingly wealthy. Okay? If you have more than one meal a day, you are of the richest of the rich in the world. And so you think about that. And most of us have protein for every meal. What are they eating? Most of their food, they did have meats and stuff they would do, but the major subsistence subsistence of most of the people in the world at this point was bread or something small. They would throw in some fish every now and then if they could afford it, but it wasn't like for us. I mean, like breakfast the other morning, I had two eggs and bacon, like, which was awesome, okay? But that was not something that was coming their way all the time. It might be two eggs and bacon spread over weeks. Obviously, they're Jewish. They weren't eating bacon. I know. Don't email me, okay? Jesus made it clean. I can eat bacon now. It's awesome, all right? So when we look at this, these people, when Jesus is praying this with them, it's, it's a group of people that they, day in and day out, are dependent on God to provide for them. Now, what we have at our house that makes this type of prayer difficult for us is we have freezers, right? We got food that we can't eat enough in a week, so we freeze it so we can have it for later. We have pounds and pounds, many of us have pounds and pounds of meat or or other things in our fridge. You might have had a good deer hunting season, and you got some of that put up. And we got refrigerators, and we got bank accounts, and we got more money than is necessary to live for today. I mean, we at least maybe we, you may be thinking, oh, payday pay needs to come, but at least you got enough to make it through the day and tomorrow. And it makes it difficult. But what happens here, it makes it difficult to see because our provision, a lot of times we, we believe our provision is based on, on our accomplishments and what we have earned. And yes, that is true. We have, we have accumulated quite a bit of stuff, and we are in a wealthy nation. But I want you to know this and see this very clearly, and this has been very evident to me. Your ability to earn is based on your health, and your health and your well-being and your abilities did not come from you. You might have fanned into flame what you've been given, but they're all a gift from a good God, and they can be taken away very quickly. It's all of grace. It's all of goodness. And what is great about this is the disciples will be coming back to the Lord's Prayer and praying for provision, like, God, give me what I need to make it through the day. When we pray this, though we don't really have to, we're, we're, maybe we're worried about provision for, like, retirement or provision for, like, a month or two down the road. I got this month covered with the rent and the bills, but I'm worried about next month's rent and bills. When we come to pray and we use this as a template, as we ought to, to pray, to help us to pray, what we can be reminded of is that we need God's provision and we should not be so confident in ourselves 
And we need to be reminded that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And that we need to also, most of our worry in life comes not from today's trouble, but from tomorrow's trouble. Right? And Jesus says, pray for your daily provision, your daily bread. And this reminds us not to be so dependent on ourselves, but to, rem- to be reminded that we need to pray for daily provision to a God who can give, the Father in heaven, who cares and is powerful enough. And this reminds, this is re- reminiscent. L- l- check out Proverbs 38 and 9. Proverbs 38 and 9 says this, Remove from me falsehood and lying, And then he says this, give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, the first thing, everybody's like, amen, give me neither poverty. Everybody's like, yeah, take that away, okay? But the wisdom writer here says, give me neither poverty nor riches. And that other's like, wait a minute, I'd kind of like the riches. And then he gives a reason why, God, please don't give me poverty or riches. And he says this. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. God, feed me with what I need. Verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. You know, we know poverty is a problem. But oftentimes, especially in this country, we don't think there's riches as a problem. But remember that whole thing about Jesus says, Easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. Our wealth poses just as much of a problem as our poverty. And in this particular case, in Proverbs, it says, God, don't give me too much or too little. Because in verse 9 it says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is God? Because when all your needs are met and you think you can accomplish your needs on your, on your own and you can get what you need on your own, do you know what the problem with that is? You trust yourself. And our daily bread when we come to pray is we cannot trust in ourselves. Even if you can get everything you need on your own, it is, it, it's, it's vain to put your trust in that because could, it could go away in a minute. And worse, you could trust that over trusting God. And it become, you, your very provision that he gave, the gift has become the idol instead of the giver as the one to be worshipped. And so we got to pray, God, give us our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. Don't let us be too full or too lacking. And this says in, in the end of that part in Proverbs, it says, or God, lest I be poor and steal and profane your name, which poverty leads to all sorts of other illnesses and sins. Which, so God, give me what I need. So much of our life, maybe I'm projecting so much of my life, is worrying not about today, but tomorrow. And not asking for what I need today. The stuff that keeps you up at night, makes you lose some hairs or makes them turn gray, is not that you're not satisfied today or that you have enough today. It's that you're thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and if I'm going to have more. But the Lord doesn't tell us to say, <laughs> he doesn't tell us to pray, God, give me what I need until I turn 65 and plus. That's not what he tells us. He says, give us today our daily bread. If you think about the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, you go back in the Old Testament, and they were wandering around after, after God had led them out through Moses. 
he would give them manna from heaven, which literally translated what is it? And it was bread that kind of every morning they wake up and they were like, oh, dew and bread. Okay, and that was a weird deal. And it was a miracle. And so what would happen is that day the manna was good. And then by the evening it would spoil. And they'd have to wait again until what happened? He'd give it again. Do you know why? Do you think God could figure out preservatives? He came up with the periodic table. Like before it was the periodic table. Like he made all the elements and all the molecules in the world, and nothing surprises him. So do you think he, it was like his big oops, like, oh, I put a bad expiration date on that manna. You think that's what it was? Like, God doesn't know how to do, put salt on things to preserve it. The, the, the guy, I mean, he came up with sodium, okay? He got it. Why did he do it? To teach us that we have to be dependent day on day on day on him. And to pay, pray for provision. And when you're praying for daily bread, what you need for that day, it also, there is a danger in riches. Do you know that? I, I experience this Daily. What we touch, we can live under the tyranny of touch and to want more and desire more and to spend our time looking on the internet for more, going on Amazon, the deal websites. There's nothing wrong with those things but in and of themselves, but our hearts, our idol factories and stuff can be an idol. And so the prayer here is, God, give us what we need. Give us today our daily bread. And then in verse 12, the second thing that we should prioritize in prayer is not just provision, but pardon. In verse 12, it says this, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And so there is a prayer for pardon. And I love the fact that Jesus uses the word debt, and debtors. Do you know why? Because sin is a big word in the Bible, but sin is a word that it appears a lot, and we use it a lot in our culture, and it has been devalued because most of the time we are trying to explain away our own sin. So we say, it's just a little sin. It's just a, and we can forgive people their sins. But if someone owes you money, that's a different story. You're thinking about breaking kneecaps. Maybe you wouldn't do it, but you're like, give him my money, okay? You become some kind of loan shark from Atlantic City. Like, hey, I just need the money, okay? You give me that money. If you think about somebody owing you money, that, that's a different situation. And so what we have here is forgiveness, sin being talked of in the form of a debt owed, which is an interesting way to look at that. So Jesus not only says, God, Father in heaven, let your will be done. Let your name be hallowed and give us what we need, daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And God, forgive us our debts. Forgiveness to wipe away, to not count against. What? For God, forgive us our debts. Now, just follow the logic here. Who can forgive the debt? The one who is owed, right? Our sins not only create, not, not only make us spiritually dead, apart from the saving work of God in our life through Christ, but they make us dead spiritually. They make us guilty legally 
and deserving of punishment and wrath and hell eternally, but also our sin is against God and we owe him a debt because of sin. And you get debt and I get debt. Because if you have a credit card and you put something on that, it's not like they give you free stuff, right? You know you got to pay that. Or if somebody sends you a bill, it's not a suggestion. Okay? Wouldn't it be great if power companies like send you a bill and you're like, oh, yeah, I thought that was just a suggestion. I was going to pay it later. How about half? Okay? Then all of a sudden you're walking around in the dark and you don't understand why. Because the debt is something that is owed and it must be paid in full. And so when we go to pray, we are reminded not only that we need daily provision from God and he is the center of all provision and that we should not be focused, that we should, we should fight not to, not to be too rich or too poor, not to think we don't need God or to profane God. We need to get to this place where we acknowledge that we need forgiveness every day when we the priority of pardon. And, and I know you might not like that thought, but it's all throughout the scriptures. That you know this, and let's be clear, you have no standing before God on your own except for guilt and debt. Right? You know that. And anything good you have is all a gift of his mercy and grace. And so when you come here and pray this, forgive us our debts, it's an acknowledgement that our standing before God is not by works. It's all of his grace and mercy. And we're asking him for forgiveness again and again. Not that you're not walking in forgiveness as a justified child of God who trusts in the once for all sacrifice in Jesus, but you know that daily we struggle with sin and we need forgiveness and we need God's cleansing and restoration. We need a restored relationship and we need to always remember that our standing before God is never based on us. It's only based on on Christ. And so God, forgive us our debts. Forgive us this thing we owe. Wipe it out. Wipe out this debt that we owe, this huge debt. Wipe out this debt, God. And then it says, not just to do that, forgive us our debts, and then there's an addendum to that, there's something else, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, let us walk in your forgiveness as much as we have forgiven those who are indebted to us. Remember that parable of the master who forgives the massive debt that Jesus tells? He owes, in, in the grand scheme of things, and I'm going to give you, let's say he owes a billion dollars. Did you ever pay off a billion bucks? No, that's not happening, okay? This guy owes a billion dollar debt. What happens? The master forgives the man the debt. And then there's a guy that owes him, let's say, $1,500. And he goes, he's like, give me my money. The guy who's just been forgiven the debt goes up to the one who owes him $1,500 and starts, beat, starts beating him. And is like, give me my money, give me my money. The master finds out about it. And he's like, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. How dare you? I've forgiven you so much and you won't forgive so little. And that's, that is a point that Jesus is making here in the Lord's Prayer. That as we have been forgiven, and get this, our sin debt is huge. It's the GDP of the world plus infinity. And you're thinking, how can my sin that I do be so offensive that it would, would, would create such a debt? 
Recently, I got a hospital bill. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> I love that. It was like a laugh across the thing. We have health insurance. Thank you, Amy, and Trousdale County. We got the bill, and it was the bill without our insurance applied. And it said on there, don't worry, <laughs> basically, don't worry, your insurance will apply this. And the bill was astronomically expensive. And it was like one of those, like, whoa, okay, if my eyes could have bulged out all cartoon style, that would have been like, whoa, okay. And I was like, wow. That didn't, I mean, like, for real? Because they're charging you, like, for the food in the hospital. And you're like, that was, because I was on, like, a liquid diet for a while, so they're giving me, like, soup and jello. And that cost that? Room and board for that? I could have stayed at a nice hotel for a month for the gruel you gave me. What are you talking about? And we don't think, but you've got to think about it. Obviously, they're raising, but we're not going to get into all the things about, some of you are thinking, oh, the health care thing. Okay, just get over that. We're not going to talk about that. But if you think about it, sometimes we don't think that our, that our debts, that we really owe them, that we're, they're really that big. And once you get to thinking about it, I mean, like, I can't do robot surgery on myself. So that guy, like, <laughs> that's pretty expertise, man. Well, maybe you do deserve that money because I can't do it. If you start, don't start a robot surgery company yourself unless you're like, I got a, I got a chainsaw in the back. Let's go. That I'll charge you a quarter of what they charge you. No expertise. Think about this. Our debt to a holy God. Do you realize how offensive our sin is to the one who is so holy? To the one who created everything, to the one who has given provision and goodness to the world, and we've all turned our back on him by nature and by choice. Your sin is not just something small compared to other people's sin. Your sin is of an infinite offense because it is to an infinite God of infinite goodness. And so forgive us our debts. We've got to remember that forgiveness and pardon are something that is necessary in our prayer life. Jesus himself tells us that. But also, it should be related to our forgiveness to other people because we've been forgiven of a debt. That should make us forgiving people. And there's a reason we are to pray about forgiving people because it's not easy to forgive someone, is it? (laughs) Is it? No. The only way true forgiveness can reign in your life and rule in your life is if the Holy Spirit of God has made you new and you're walking and daily fighting to understand how much he has forgiven you. No, there will be, you will not be able to forgive and forgive completely and forgive like you ought unless you know the forgiving power of Jesus and you realize how great a debt you have been forgiven. And that is supposed to be, that is prioritized in prayer, us asking for forgiveness and forgiving other people. Finally, we see not only just provision, pardon, we see protection. Verse 13, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus says, not only do you need your daily bread, prioritize that. Not only do you need pardon from sin and need to learn how to pardon those who owe a debt against you, have sinned against you, but you also need protection. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. And some of you may have a note there in your Bible that says the evil one. And either way, I think that because it's, it's a way that you can actually translate, and that's a legitimate translation that said deliver us from evil or the evil one. It, regardless, whether it's Satan and his minions or whether it's evil in general, the Lord is a deliverer of those things. And he, you need him in your life to deliver you. And here's the problem with this statement. This, this in our lives when we when we pray this and why we need to pray this is oftentimes we do one of two things: we trust ourselves that we are strong enough to overcome temptation on our own. You ever heard pride comes before the fall? Pride comes before you give in to temptation. It really does. And the Lord wants to, us to prioritize in our prayers and to acknowledge before God that temptation is real and that we don't have the ultimate power to overcome it in and of ourselves. We have to be empowered by the Spirit. That doesn't mean this. Here, here. That doesn't mean temptation can't be overcome. You know why? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, temptation is real, and it could come from your sinful nature, or it can come from the evil one's attacks. Okay? Either one of those two things can come. But... You have the power by the Holy Spirit to overcome it. So, if there's a sin that is kicking your derriere and you're struggling with it, here's what you can't say. It's just too hard for me. I can't overcome it. No, you can't say that. You know why? Because if you're filled with the Spirit, then you can. It may not be easy. You made an accountability, and it doesn't mean you won't fall a thousand times before you start making progress in the thing. But it does, you, can't go, you can't say you follow Jesus and continue in sin. I'm not mean that you don't struggle with it. No, no, no. Or that you're not tempted with it. Or not even that you give into it from time to time. Or even more than a time to time. But if there's no fight in you, and there's no, there is no want for holiness, there's something broken and wrong. Temptation is real. We have to acknowledge it. But there's power in the name of Jesus to break chains. There really is. And he says, lead us not into temptation. God, may we not be led into temptation. What is that? God, may we have the power to resist by the Holy Spirit the things that tempt us. Help us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. In this passage, in this prayer, there's two things you see. Lead us not into temptation. This, is a, this lead us is a different tense than the rest of the verbs in here. And we won't get into language too much, but here's the thing. This is, this is one like, God, may we not be led into temptation, which is saying, God, help us by your power not to go down the road of temptation. So this has the idea of us having some part in resisting sin, even though we can't do it on our own. We still can if we're empowered by the Spirit. So God, don't let us be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This deliver us is, goes back to the tense of the other verbs, which is like, God, you got to do it. You have to deliver me. So there's this thing. When we have to fight with sin, and our prayer should be dealing with being led into temptation and sin and asking for pardon, we need to pray about the condition of our souls in relationship to sin. When we pray these things, we have to acknowledge that we have a part here in the if we are truly born again, but that God is the one in charge too. And so we come to him and say, God, temptation, 
is right around the corner. Do you know you're one bad decision from ruining your life? Every one of us. Just one bad decision from ruining your life. You don't believe me? Tell your boss what you really think in a text message today. Go ahead. You'll be praying coming down front next week. Give us this day our daily bread. Because I told my boss, I sang take this job and shove it. I felt like we were in Nashville. So I thought I could sing it. Text an old girlfriend and meet up with her. Married guy. See how that'll go for you. One bad decision. You were just one bad decision from your life being a shipwreck. And that's why you need the power of God in your life in these prayers. And so when we come, it's listen, God's presence is better than his provision. But here's the good thing. When God's presence is there, he provides because he's just good. And so we should pray for God's provision, and we should pray for pardon, and we should pray for protection. But we remember, we are not praying alone. I want you to notice this about, about this. All of the pronouns here are in the second person, or the first person plural, which means it's not just about, because most of our prayers, if you're honest, if you're honest, okay, and if I'm honest, most of our prayers are, help me, help me, God, you're good, help me. God, you're going to help me. Maybe not. But, this, but prioritizing prayer, all of this is not my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give me this day our daily bread and forgive me my debts as I forgive those who are indebted to me. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That is not what it says, right? What does it say? Our Father. It doesn't mean he's not your father. It just means he is the father of more. He's the father of all who would believe in Jesus Christ. Our father, our father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, plural, this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, And yes, this also shows up in the original language the exact same way. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So our prayers are often ineffectual and drowsy. And I told you the story. It bears repeating because this image, I hope you burn it into your brain because this is sometimes how we pray when we pray when we don't pray as we ought. Our our church had our church in Georgia had a prayer ministry. And we signed up twice a week as the staff to go in and pray. And I went in one morning and they didn't see me until 11:30. I went in about 9:30. And it wasn't cuz I was so holy, it's cuz I fell asleep. I was drooling on the table. And you better believe I got ribbed for that. Cuz everyone's like, "Where's Matt?" And I was out <sighs> cold, sleeping. I was supposed to be praying, I was sleeping. I'll tell you, that's a picture of our prayers when we don't pray with power. 
And we don't pray with God at the center. And we don't, when we pray for just ourselves, our prayers are so small. But the Lord tells us to pray with the community in mind, the community of believers, to think about not just our sin or my sin, but our sin. Now, that's not a call for you to go and necessarily point out everybody's sin. But it is a call to pray for those who are struggling and to pray for not just your provision, but the provision of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And also to pray for the temptation of your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. And not just to do this in a, in a generic fashion, but to really put some, some meat behind it. And this will grow us in community and love and will make our prayers powerful. When we pray for more than just ourselves, we acknowledge God's goodness and grandeur to the world. And we see him as a bigger God than just the God who is our personal deity. He is personal, yes, but he is God of all of his people and God of the world. And so he, on purpose, in our prioritizing of prayers, not just we should ask for those things for ourselves, but we should also pray these things for our brothers and our sisters. And see a bigger picture here. And there's a story in Exodus chapter 17, which is one of my favorite stories in the book of Exodus. The people are out and they're on the run and the the Amalekites come up against them in a battle. And so let me read you. This is Exodus 17, 11 through 12. So let me give you a little piece of the story. When Moses held up his hand... Israel prevailed, and when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. So there's this battle taking place, and Moses has this staff that God has given him. And it was one of the, one of the things that was used to show Pharaoh that God was God, okay? And so he has this staff, and as the battle is going off, when he had his hands in the air in praise to God, and the staff lifted up, pointing to God in favor, you know what would happen? Israel would prevail in the battle, okay? They would win. But whenever he lowered his hands, and if you've ever tried to put up a light fixture, you get this. Like, you don't think, like, my arms don't weigh that much. Hold them above your head for a while and try to fix a light. Your arms are going to sleep like you've been shot with tranquilizer darts. They're hurting. You're like, what is happening to me? You know, you got it like that. So Moses has got the staff, and he's holding As long as they're winning, yeah. His, as long as his hands are up, they're winning. But then verse 12 says, but Moses' hands grew weary. We can feel that. So they took a stone, and they put it under him. Here's a seat, man. And he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and the people won. So what did Moses need? Moses is a mighty man of God. Moses had been used by God to bring the people out of bondage. And Moses' arms are tired. So you know what they do? They set him on a rock, and his boys hold his arms up so that the battle would be won. He couldn't do it on his own. But with this help, there was victory and perseverance. I want to get you this. Without prayer, our spiritual life, it's like we're gasping for air and drowning. 
But I also, without the prayers of God's people, with and for God's people, we will drown and fade away as well. And we will lose the battles. We need to lift each other up in prayer. To lift our church up in prayer. To lift up God's kingdom in prayer. To say, God, let your kingdom come. Let, let's, God, let us see spiritual victory. Let us see people come to know you. God, let us see people convicted of their sins and wanting a Savior. God, let us see people come on, on Easter to worship. God, let us see healing in our congregation. God, let us see mended relationships. Let us see forgiveness. Let us see addiction be broken in this county because it's killing us. God, do that in us. Help my brothers and sisters who are struggling with a child that's that's wayward. Help my brothers and sisters to know what they need and to not be so overcome with anxiety about what's to come. God, help my brothers and sisters to forgive one another. God, help. And if we don't come around each other and hold up the arms, we won't see any, any victory. And I don't know what that'll look like, what victory looks like, but you know it when it comes. And I'll be honest with you. You really need, I know we, we kind of use it as a, as a trite statement, I'll pray for you, but we really need that. This last few months has showed me how much I really needed the prayers of God's people and how much it has made a difference in my life. And I want you to know something. God uses the prayers of his people to accomplish this purpose. It's not like we're bending his arm or telling him something he doesn't know, but God uses his prayers to accomplish his, uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his sovereign purposes. So we, when we pray, we're putting our hand in with God in the victory. And so I want you to get this, and here's what we need to do. We need to pray with God at the center. We need to pray. Prayer is as important as it is breathing in our Christian life. We need to pray. It's fine and good to pray for provision, and we should. We need to prioritize praying for pardon, and we need to prioritize praying for protection in our life. But we must pray, not with only ourself in view, but the glory of God and our brothers and sisters in view, and the world in view. We are holding up each other in this spiritual battle. And maybe you didn't think about your prayer like that. But that's why it's all these plurals. And there is something wonderfully powerful when you stop focusing on yourself and you start focusing on God and others. What are the two great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then it seems like the American or our culture I won't just give it to America, but our culture's ones is love the Lord your God like a genie when he gives you stuff. And love you and get yours. That's the opposite of the prayer. And I know I don't know what's going on in your life. Sometimes life circumstances make you more sensitive to seeing what's going on in people's lives. I know some of you guys who are teachers or work with kids, the kids act up, 
You don't understand why, and you get frustrated with them, and then you find out what's going on in their, their lives. Or maybe you've been and seen the aftermath of somebody behaving really ugly to a server at a restaurant, and then you start talking to that server, and you realize that they're, they're dealing with some major health issues or a big financial issue, or they're, they had a loved one that passed away, and then it's all making sense. And you just don't know what somebody's been going through. And, and we don't know in this place. There's, there's hurts you might be hanging on to and have that you, don't even, you can't even verbalize because it just hurts. But that's why you need your brothers and sisters praying for you and to lift each other up. Plus, it makes you more cognizant that you are to love one another. We are to love one another and love God above all things. And we need this. And so here's how I want us to wrap up our time today. The communion team's going to come forward in just a second. And they're going to pass around communion. I'm going to play a video of a song that kind of sings the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to do this as that video is being played. At the end of the time, when you take the element, if you're a believer in Jesus, take the elements with us. We'd love for you to do that as a sign and symbol of what Jesus has done. We're going to take the communion together, realizing that we are, we, our faith is together, those who believe in the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus. But I want you, as the songs being sang over you of the Lord's Prayer, I want you to pray, not for yourself right now. I want you to pray for the people in here. Now, you may not know their name, but guess the good news? God does. And if you don't know what to pray for them, pray through the Lord's Prayer for them. Because we need that. And so community team, come forward. We're going to play this video. We're going to pray for one another while this is going around, and you'll take the elements, and then in a few, after the video's over, we'll take the elements together because we need this, church. We need, it's like breathing to pray to our, our Father. Father in heaven, Holy is your name Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth As it is in heaven Our Father in heaven Lead us not into temptation
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples, and he took bread, and when he broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat. In like manner, he took the cup after supper, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink. As often as we, the church, do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Walk this day in his grace, and here is a special thing. I want to challenge you and me to pray for somebody today. Like, seriously, I know it's going to be uncomfortable. Maybe do you need to do that before you leave today because there is somebody whose arms are tired. There is somebody who's just barely hanging on, and the fight of faith seems like a long one. And you know how much it would mean if you put your hand on their shoulder and said, I'm going to pray for you. It would mean a lot. Walk in that grace and power today. You are dismissed in the name of Jesus.